Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, your backstage pass to revealing conversations with stars, creators, and industry leaders, on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm Gordon Cox. One of my favorite TV shows of the last several years was Reservation Dogs, the ensemble comedy about a group of kids on a Native American reservation in Oklahoma. The show's co-creator and four of its writers were all members of the intertribal sketch comedy troupe The 1491s, And at the same time that Reservation Dogs was being developed, the 1491s were also premiering their first play. Now that play, Between Two Knees, is having a run at the new Perlman Performing Arts Center in New York City. Commissioned by the Oregon Shakespeare Festival as part of its American Revolutions series of new plays about American history, Between Two Knees is a wild comedy that traces multiple generations of one Native American family from the Wounded Knee Massacre in 1890 to the American Indian Movement's occupation of Wounded Knee in 1973. Two of the play's writers, Reservation Dogs co-creator Sterling Harjo and fellow 1491 member Bobby Wilson, are in the virtual studio with me to talk making comedy, making theater, and the great American drama that Harjo wants to make the next time he writes for the stage. Hi, Sterling and Bobby. Thanks for joining me. What's up? Hello. <laughs> uh, so before we talk about Between Two Knees and how that came about, I wonder if you could just give us a quick little bit of background about how, how all of you in the 1491s met and started making comedy together. It was a cloudy day, thunderstruck. It, it was a cloudy day. I was in Santa Fe when Bobby met us, or when Bobby met me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, actually, when I met Ryan Redcorn, I met you later. Well, I met y'all at the same time. Yeah. But you uh, thing. And Redcorn <laughs> has that thing in his mind that makes him, you know, he trusts people right when he sees them. So. Right, right. Ryan, Ryan brings a lot of bad people into our lives that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in this case, he brought someone good, which was Bobby. But, um, you know, Ryan and I had been... This is all kind of simultaneously happening. We're like, Ryan and I, I had been making films as an independent filmmaker. Ryan was in my film, Barking Water. Mm-hmm. Um, I cast Ryan because I heard him tell a funny story and I wanted him to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we were in Santa Fe Indian Market and we met Bobby. And Bobby was kind of bombing around and like carrying a graffiti pin, just like tagging shit everywhere. And 
kind of half homeless, it seemed like. And um, somehow everyone ended up staying. I was the only one that was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. But as Indians do, I ended up like having like six people staying in my hotel. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Bobby. I end up I end up getting like uh, I am coming back to my hotel like 1 a.m., maybe two. And um, Bobby and Dallas are in my bed or Bobby and Ryan are in my bed. And uh, I was like, fuck, like and I just briefly met bobby that day and anyway i just made him scoot over and the three of us slept together <laughs> first night so it's really it's really how this was forged okay. uh, and then at the same time so bobby was living in minneapolis at the same time Migazi mm. and dallas had been making funny videos ryan and i had been making some little videos mm. on this they weren't that funny because ryan you know he's not that funny until we made him funny but um uh, he was really into earnest poetry at the time. And I was just like, let's do some cool shit, you know? And, um, and I wasn't making a lot of money as an independent filmmaker as you do, but they wanted to show my film in Minneapolis. And I asked Ryan if he wanted to go and then we could link up with Migazi Dallas, do some funny videos. And then Bobby was there too. And we were like, well, our new friend, Bobby and Dallas and Bobby happened to know each other. We needed a place to film the video. It ended up being where Bobby worked. Was there any inclination toward theater or writing a play before you no. started to work on? Yeah. And so we didn't know that, that was possible. We didn't yeah. know it was possible. We uh, was we were commissioned to do it. Mm. And we were like, I guess we're doing this now because there's no other way to make money. Yeah. Um, and and this was the, we, we'd been doing like uh, stage on tour for right. like a decade at this point right right made a yeah. bunch of videos on youtube but we were probably making like 45 a year if we were lucky you know kind of breaking mm-hmm. even yeah uh, so it was nice but then we got the commission and had no idea that those existed out there yeah. Uh, and Oregon Shakespeare Festival hooked it up super hard. They knew we had never written a play before, but they were very familiar with our combined work as well as our individual work. Mm-hmm. And uh, shit, uh, Allison Carey, who used to work there, flew out yeah. to Tulsa, Oklahoma to see one of our fabulous live yeah. shows Yeah, for the people yeah. of Tulsa town. And, and was the commission with was it sort of free range like create something yeah yeah like we we ended up getting flown out to the oregon shakespeare festival it was beautiful which is a beautiful place we sort of we'd never done plays but we got to immerse ourselves and watch plays while we were writing this thing and i don't think they expected us to do as much as we did and basically the first day of working we sat around in a classroom and drew dicks on a a dry erase board for half the day and then and we also like were making a video for a Kickstarter for a feature film that we wanted to make. Right. <laughs> so we did our first day. And then, but like the last, like maybe the next day or the last hour of that first day, I, I think that we really buckled down and like came up with an outline. And so we already had the play outlines like day one or two. Wow. Um, and we just were watching plays. It was a pretty great experience. 
there was a thing about it too like uh so it was through the american revolutions commission that went on for quite some time i can't i I can't say how long but uh, yeah several years through the oregon shakespeare festival yeah exactly yeah and they did this thing where they would bring all of their commissioned playwrights together in new york for like a day or two just to say hello talk about what they're working on and we were blown away by how many people had this really amazing commission and had done nothing with it for like 10 years, some of them. <laughs> they were just sitting around. Right. And, you know, we're five of us. We've been making these sort of guerrilla videos on reservations all across the land for a decade. And we were like, why are you guys taking so long? Like, right. this is fun. Like, just, you know, get it going. And Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I mean, holy shit, what a beautiful campus. It's like a goddamn Garden of Eden, you know? I mean, you know, it used to be when the Indians had it. Now, it's pretty nice what the white folks have done with it, with that theater and everything. Yeah, yeah. And how was was the process of putting that play together, how was that different from working on the sketch comedy? Or was it very similar, did you find? Well, uh, the differences were like the structuring of this piece. But uh, I would say the way that we came up with each of those scenes was very similar to the process that we had been using for years of like doing it on the fly, you know, kind of seeing what's funny to us, what sticks. And then we really got to build out the drama shit. That was what was so different about us working together in that capacity was really building out uh, and humanizing people in these dramatic ways you know that i, I don't want to were all, i think that everyone besides me was pretty afraid of drama because i i'd like been Big making time. fucking dramas you know yeah but yeah. also like, we were very much um sort of a balance and check for and for each other because like writing it like all of our strengths and weaknesses we worked with and you know like um left to my own devices like it's more like res dogs for me where where there's a lot of brooding and humor but like you know it can go longer and that might not work for a play so like they you know these guys would help go ah we need some jokes in here you know or like this is too sad or whatever um or vice versa we would all you know we all kind of work like that anyway um and fill in gaps when needed but like um but you know we did it just like we did sketches i mean we just threw out ideas and it's kind of one big workshop you know and like the last thing that happens is like we actually write stuff down yeah i was just gonna Um, ask how how and when does that happen is that one of you who sort of takes it all and or like watches and writes stuff down or how does that how does the actual first did it i mean we had a dry erase board for the outlines yeah yeah and when we first did it i think we assigned each other sections of the play and then it would go through Bobby or Megacy kind of a overall sort of like kind of helping make it cohesive, you know, like get filtered through where one person can kind of attach the pieces together and sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. make sure it's flipped. And that process was sick too, though, on the rehearsal side, like all the space that OSF had. Bobby did a lot of that. Mm. Working alongside Eric and the cast and Eric, the, the director, team, yeah. like, every uh the whole thing was fantastic getting to do the rewrites seeing what works in the room theater's crazy it's crazy <laughs> but everybody's doing this you know and like uh for those runs especially like at osf shit yeah 
thing was like three month runs yeah on it and some of those actors were in other plays as company right. actors you know uh that was mind-blowing that they could pull all that shit off you know rachel crowell god dang like mm. She went into this Shakespeare one, and this is how, you know, I, I wish I could tell you which one it was. I want to say Twelfth Night, but I don't want to misquote it. But oh, it was Henry the Fifth. It was Henry the Fifth. We went and watched her in Henry the Fifth, and uh and she um destroyed, and we were like, we gotta cast her. Like somehow we gotta figure out a way to cast her. I'll have more with Sterling and Bobby right after the break. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to my conversation with Sterling Harjo and Bobby Wilson, two of the writers of Between Two Knees. Was the larger story something that emerged as you put together that group of scenes, or was it something that you went in with the arc, and then you kind of broke it down into two scenes. I mean, one of the things that we had structurally, mm. we were coming, because we were supposed to have to do with history. Right. And we were kind of, you know, far, fucking around with like, what parts of history should we hit, you know? And, yeah. um, and then I forget what we were watching. I think it might have been this play that was like, some country bumpkin play that I walked out on because I, <laughs> yeah, I was like I was I was like offended, and Bobby and them were just like, "Oh, this is great, man!" And uh, really, this uh, is your people. <laughs> we're gonna stick around. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, before I left, I remember thinking somehow like "Between Two Knees" came in my head, and I ran up to them, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Maybe we should call it Between Two Knees" because we've been talking about the wounded knee and whatever. But it was like yeah. making it in between two knees. Mm. wounded knee experiences could be a cool it was a cool like structure but also like a challenge and like um it gave us parameters on what on what we could say and what we couldn't say i guess yes and it made us read a bunch of history shit oh my god all that reading right (laughs) yeah do you and the the play makes some comedy out of some you know really dark things, these super dark moments in the country's uh, past. And do you, and of course, a lot of your sketch work is like fueled by activism and pointing out injustice and all that stuff. Do you have a kind of philosophy of how comedy works to kind of affect change either like in the people watching or in the systems around them or like, like what, how do you, how do you think about how you take on like dark things and uh, serious things with comedy? I mean, I think that we all have different opinions on that, you know, and and our strength as a group is our different opinions come together and work together. I don't have a philosophy on them. There's something about telling the truth that is like, you know, cuts through everything. I will say that like on on the road, what we did develop sort of a philosophy, not a philosophy, but like a way in because we would bomb in wide up with wide audiences and or like more northern white audiences you know like 
some for some reason, like Southern whites like us uh, or got the humor, but like um, we we noticed that like they they were afraid to laugh, and like I think that has to do with like the idea that Native Americans are precious or whatever, you know, and like so we had to give them we realized we have to give them permission to laugh. So we started coming out in our intros and like making fun of ourselves and like really kind of getting them warmed up. So they're ready to laugh and also kind of teaching them native humor. And that's, it's, it's what, it's what Judd's character, the narrator plays in like Larry is a play, you know, he is the person that kind of welcomes everyone in and shows you what native humor is. And like, it's okay to laugh. Similar to Reservation Dogs, Dallas's character who plays Spirit, same function. So, like that is a philosophy right. that I think that we learned not just about history, how to how to talk about history, but mm. how to also just like share our humor. You know, it was it, that was one that we learned just on the road, failing at it. Yeah, yeah. Bobby, do you have anything to add? I mean, you know, you're you're talking about activism. I don't know. I, I it's funny because working together as five of us there is a whole spectrum of that activism you know dallas goldtooth very much in the social media side of activism very you know annoying yeah yeah (laughs) also like showing up in person to places and wearing his his cute little outfits and getting arrested and stuff you know (laughs) yeah getting arrested Dallas got arrested. Dallas got arrested in DC recently doing something. Mm. And he was released before the footage hit the internet, like before it was posted. Right. And so we were gonna make t-shirts that just said free dot dal dot dot. Yeah. People texting us back. Yeah. <laughs> um how have you found, you were talking about uh, audiences' responses when you were on the road. How have you found theater audiences as as uh, being sort of receptive to humor? Do they Are they different at all from the folks who would come see your touring shows? Yeah. I mean, yeah. In the organ, it was pretty great because we were challenging them, I think. And it was like very polarized. Hmm. You know, that was sort of the intention, um, and, you know, at least a lot of it when we went into the play because right. you know, all this work that we've done over the years, we've been to every res that exists as a team. And uh, the entertainment, the art that we were creating was largely for just native folks, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and theater spaces are definitely not for native folks. It's like quite the opposite, really, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of wine drunk, uh, older whites, you know? No, not knocking them, you know? They have, have a good time. I get it. But shit, like a lot of that stuff's <laughs> inaccessible. Right. You know? I got to see Shakespeare stuff when I was a kid because my elementary school or my middle school, et cetera, et cetera, would make the trip. But really, then you look at the ticket prices and you're like, dang, like, right. Yeah. Nobody I grew up around is going to, you know, be able to afford this. That's why we got to hook up those Indian tickets, though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so, how did you think about coming into this space? Um, did that like affect the kind of story you were telling or how you definitely. told the. Yeah. yeah. Well, it affected how we told the story. The story yeah. is, is the story of Indians, at right. least our five memories, how it happened. Right. Uh, but a lot of the humor comes from acknowledge, acknowledgement of where we're at, you know, right. uh, and who's 
most likely in the crowd. Not to say that we wrote exclusively for, you know, those folks, because right. there's, you know, a bunch of Indian jokes in there, too. Right. I, mean, I think we were, like, writing for a Native audience, what we would want to see, but also, like, knowing that we're letting a lot of non-Natives in to see this. And it's like, how do we have conversation? It's almost a conversation with non-Natives, like, expressing what we are and who we are and the humor and how fucked up the history is, you know, like in a weird way. Reservation Dogs was very much for Native people. Like, and if people, other people come, cool. Yep. This was more like, we're going to challenge non-Native audiences because that's who is going to see this. You know, like we have to do something. We have to talk to them. And we do throughout the play, I think. Yeah. Where speaking of reservation dogs, where were you on the journey of making reservation dogs as you were working on this play? Actually, sold reservation dogs while right before the play opened, like the day of, I think, and got the call that day and was just like, holy shit, uh, got this show called Reservation Dogs. And everyone was like, great, congrats. You know, we were, we were just doing the play that day. It was crazy. And so then, how did you find? Did you find that your experience working on the play informed how you worked on the show? Yeah, probably. I mean, but like more so 1491s helped informed how I worked on the show because I was a showrunner and I was running a writer's room now. Right. And that's what we did. That's how we wrote our sketches. You know, that's but it's also how we wrote our play. So like yeah. all of that was a very much like a like kind of I'm quarterbacking this group of people. And, you know, even, even when we do our sketches, like I would always be the one, cause I was a lot of times, like, especially in the beginning, like I would be like, you know, with the one with the camera or whatever, like, mm. um, so I was always trying to think of the editing process that I had edited for a while at that point. Like, you know, what is our ending? Like, what's our beginning? Like things like that. And so just trying the nature of trying to keep things to where like i guess like quarterbacking a little bit but like with um with the 1491s it i don't know it's funny because all of our dynamic shift where like one day it'll be bobby leading everything mm. or one day it'll be dallas and when dallas does it he does it like we're all students like he's got to have a pin and like is leading the class you know and then there's Ryan's usually there to just like disrupt everything and make you rethink your life. And then you get like a really cool thing out of what he just did to you and you didn't realize it. Um, and then Mick's very quiet until he, has, but you realize he's been pondering this one thing for like five hours and then he finally has a solution, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, like in the, with the play, there was like, when we're in a room together, there's so many different dynamics that play out, but that definitely informed how I ran the writer's room for Reservation Dog. Right, yeah. And what is it like to come back to the show, to sort of revisit the show now that Reservation Dogs has finished its its run? Well, for me, uh, the different, like, the first iteration of Between Two Knees at Oregon Shakespeare Festival was... Mm this really pivotal moment, you know, res dogs getting sold, mid going off to be a set, right? Like cover set for some major crazy historical drama. Like things were happening that were wild. And, you know, all of that energy was going into the writing of this thing. Right. Fast forward, you know, 
2024, whatever year this is now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and all of the things that we have learned in the writing process and the rooms and kind of what works, uh, they've made us great editors, I think. So uh, going into the script and working again with uh, Eric Ting and uh, Julie Dubiner, our dramaturg, uh, mm. and having those conversations once again that uh, poured so much magic into that uh, first run, um, it's been really exciting. And I'm hyped to see uh, what the cast is is doing with it and the creative team going back. I think it's pretty rare. I, I, I'm just assuming, I don't know, but like, it feels pretty rare to have a cast sort of stick together like that yeah. for so long yeah. play, you know, it's, um, that feels, you know, the, the cast cares about it, but also like just being able to watch that group grow, you know, um, so pumped to see that and, to, um, and, you know, things have changed since reservation dogs. Like we all felt it, you know, as we were making it. And it'll be interesting to see now, like maybe audiences are even more sort of primed and ready to, you know, yeah. be in an audience and watching a absurd native comedy on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Has the script changed at all since 2019? Have you done much tinkering? Or... Yeah. Yeah. We've uh, moved some stuff around, opened up the uh, the opening of Act Two. Uh, is things, replace things, move things back, put things back in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 and we got Ty Defoe too to uh, oh yeah, craft some crazy shit too. So that's that's a big difference. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, the play is going to be um at the Perlman Center in February. And what Hellraiser Cube? Yeah, <laughs> I've never. <laughs> that's that is actually kind of what it looks like. You're right. Um, <laughs> uh, and so what's next for you both? What uh, what's coming up next for you? What next? Out on that prairie. On that Bobby prairie. and I have Bobby and I have an animation yep. um, that we're doing. We're hopefully hopefully developing with FX, and I think it's going to happen. So great. Uh, yeah, there's that, and then Bobby's got other stuff, and I've got I have a new show that I might be doing hopefully at FX as well. Great. And then feature films for me. Um, I'm, I definitely want to do some feature films now that. People will open their door and take a meeting with me about them, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, now that mm -hmm. Doug has come out, so um, now that yeah. you turned down Bambi, <laughs> I, I turned Bambi down. I turned uh, Hot Wheels down. <laughs> could have been the native male Greta Gerwig, you know that? Could have been. <laughs> I know it could have been. Would you be interested in writing other plays? Like, is theater uh, a thing that you would be interested in circling back to at any point? I would, for sure. Yeah, I would probably make a great American drama, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, <laughs> with some humor, right. um, a family thing, you know, like I would want to, you know, I'm going for the Pulitzer here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, yeah, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I got that Peabody, the Pulitzer. Like the Emmy of, of of writing stuff. Right. <laughs> There's the Tonys too. You could go for you could go for the Tony. Right, right. Tony and the Go Egon. Go Egon. He plays guitars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Really he right. plays guitars. Is that what you said? Really good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Excellent. All right. Um, well, thank you both. It was great chatting with you, and um, enjoy the run of Between Two Ds uh, next month. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you both. Uh, let, let us know what you thought. No, I'm just kidding. I will. <laughs> <laughs>
That was Sterling Harjo and Bobby Wilson, two of the members of the 1491s. Their play Between Two Knees runs at the Perlman Performing Arts Center in New York, February 3rd through 24th. Their FX TV series Reservation Dogs wrapped up its third and final season last year. It's on Hulu, and if you haven't watched it yet, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's great. If you enjoyed this conversation here on StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. Or tell a friend about StageCraft. Find past episodes and subscribe at all the places you get your pods, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, a great place to find more theater for your ears. Until next episode, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gordon B. Cox. You can also check out my newsletter about international theater called Jaquees. It's at gordoncox.substack.com. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.